Welcome to Nintendo Dads episode 228, recorded on the 2nd of May 2019. And on tonight's episode, we're discussing the end of an era. Is the 3DS officially dead? And also Sonic's Double Eye Calamity. Jesse, bring us in. Welcome to Nintendo Dads episode 228, where we have already named the show Double Eye Calamity. Write it down. <laughs> it's just too good. Oh, man, Gary, I don't know where you come up with this stuff. Uh, it is May 2nd, 2019, and my name is Marty Estes. I'm glad that you're joining us tonight. And with me in podcast land tonight is the one and only Jesse Waldack. Man, how the heck are you? Greetings. I'm doing. I'm doing well. Uh, it's been a long day. I'm really, really wanted to hit the pillow, but I'm like, no, I can't do it yet. <laughs> no, we have to bring the podcast goodness to the peeps. We need, we, we need to discuss and all the horrible things we saw yesterday. That is true. We are scarred beyond belief. And speaking of scarred beyond belief, Mr. Gary Gray, straight from the UK. How are you? It's another one of those death before decaf mornings. So full on coffee. Amen, brother. Followed by a delicious water. And we're ready to do this. I uh, I don't even know why decaf coffee exists. It, it's to trick the mind. It's, it's like caffeine-free diet Mountain Dew. Like, why? Yeah, yeah, I mean, like, I don't drink Mountain Dew. Well, I mean, I do drink it for the taste, but seriously. I drank a real Mountain Dew for the first time in a long time. I'm a, I, I've done diet for so many years. And I, I drank a real Mountain Dew for the first time like a week ago, and I thought I was going to die. <laughs> like, I thought I could start. I, I started being able to, like, smell colors. <laughs> it's kind of like, like I'm, I feel like my eyes kind of look like when Lisa Simpson falls in the or drinks the water out of the, the you know, the music park land that they went to in that one Simpsons episode. She declared herself the Lizard Queen. I don't think I saw. Oh that yeah, one. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. That that's kind of how I felt drinking that Mountain Dew. Um, well, guys, we're hyped up tonight, and it's not just on Mountain Dew. We're hyped up on a ton, and, and really, we're lying when we say that because it's not been a ton of news this week, but it's been some good stuff, uh, and we've got some good stuff to talk about on tonight's show, uh, as well as some, not just some news, but some rumors and some discussion to have around that trailer that dropped this week. We'll get there here in just a few minutes, but let's hit the new news first, shall we? And our news is brought to us by you guys over at patreon.com backslash Nintendo dads. And, uh, where, uh, you know, you can go over there for as little as a dollar a month. You can get in on all of the goodness, like our discord server, where right now, monthly mayhem is running wild, baby. You know, and uh, <laughs> it's, I don't know. That was like Macho Man and Hulk Hogan uh, combined. And, like, and, and, and a little bit of Dusty Rose, you know, there for you. Where you get over on the Discord server, baby. And, you want to uh, throw can, in an Ultimate Warrior in while you're at it? I can't do Ultimate Warrior. My heart would explode. Uh, <laughs> so did his. Yeah, so uh, anyway, Monthly Mayhem is uh, kind of the evolution of our tournaments that we were running over at uh, Nintendo Dad's Discord. And so you, for as little as a dollar a month, can get on in on that and submit your Cuphead scores before May 18th. 
And uh, there's some serious competition going on over there. It's like some S ranks being thrown around uh, on entire islands and all kinds of stuff. And I'm like, man, I'm lucky to be able to push buttons uh, on Cuphead. <laughs> so, uh, but anyway, uh, we want to say thanks to everybody who supports us over at our Patreon. Uh, remember, that's patreon.com backslash Nintendo Dads. Uh, you can enter in at the dollar level or $5 get you access to the whole discord and then 10, 15 and $30 from there, the whole shebang. We'd love to have you join us over there. Guys, not a lot of news this week. It's been kind of a slow week, but, uh, we're going to start small and build up to the big stuff. Um, you know what I remember? I remember hours of sitting in front of my Sega Genesis as a teenager Yes, I did own a Sega Genesis or the Mega Drive, as uh, Gary would know it as, uh, and others. Uh, but I loved my Sega Genesis. I loved Sonic the Hedgehog uh, 1, 2, and 3. But, you know, there was a special place in my heart for a game that was developed by this little developer called Interplay. You guys remember Earthworm Jim? I've never oh, played it myself, but I do remember seeing commercials for it and... Gary, you ever too? play Earthworm Jim? I loved Earthworm Jim until he appeared in Clay Fighters. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I forgot he was in there. That was like 33 and a third, right? Yeah, that's right, yeah. I loved Earthworm Jim so much that they did like a Sega CD version that had an extra level, and I rebought it for Sega CD. Wow, that's commitment, that is. That, well, that's definitely commitment. And, and, and look, when you were... Uh, there were there were a few things, you know. Nintendo uh, would have and Sega would have, you know, simultaneous releases in the '90s, and there would be things that were different, things that stick out to me, uh, like spe- specifically Mortal Kombat was so different on both systems, and this was back during an era of censorship uh, that was a little bit more rampant than it is now. And Nintendo's version of Mortal Kombat, while graphically and 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 sonically superior, it had sweat <laughs> you know yeah. and it's it and like and and weird neutered fatalities but mm-hmm. the sake of jesus version didn't have blood either but it had the code you know that you could put in abacab and you could you could get blood in in there you know you had to unlock it but then nintendo came back with mortal kombat 2 and it was full blood and full graphics and everything was great but I remember the Sega Genesis version of Earthworm Jim because it had it had the superior soundtrack to me. The music was just way better uh, on on the Genesis, and I remember playing the crap out of that game. Uh, fond memories of Earthworm Jim, and then switching over to the Super Nintendo for Earthworm Jim too. You may say, Marty, why are we waxing poetic about Earthworm Jim? Well. It was announced this week that a new Earthworm Jim game is in development. It's actually going to be Earthworm Jim 3. And it's coming out for the Intellivision Amico. Yep. <laughs> let me... Hmm, as my son says, let me insert something here. And, and you would have to watch this on YouTube to understand this. Hands together. Boy. why in the world is this game coming out on the Intellivision Amico? Jesse, please enlighten us, because I know you know the answer to this. Well, actually, I don't know why it it is. What I do know is that 
it's like a, a new team who apparently you know got the license to make an Earthworm Jim game, and on Saturday afternoon at noon Pacific, there's going to be a live stream design meeting with the original creators and the new creators to discuss designs and apparently that'll also be interactive with the viewers so people can chat, type into the chat and get responses back I'm, I'm hoping to give it a watch if I can or at least watch a replay of it later just to see what what they say but yeah see when they announced it, the Amico they did say they were going to you know emulate pretty much all the old games that they could have the, the, the licensing to and have new exclusive games, and this apparently is the first one. Honestly, I thought that you would know the history of this because of the players involved, and that's why I said I think you would I, know. I, I, the current, know. Who the is players. the current CEO of Intellivision? Uh, Tommy. Tommy Tallarico. Yeah. Who worked on? Who worked for Interplay back in the day? Did Tommy he? Tallarico. I did not know that. He did the music for Earthworm Jim. <laughs> oh. That's why. And so no wonder this game is coming out for the Intellivision Amico, which is a console. And I'm going to go ahead and say this here. And some people will probably go, oh, Marty's turned into bad, dark, evil, inverse, negative Marty again. Nobody will remember this console. I probably will. I'm just, but, it's going to yeah, go the but, way of the 3DO, the Atari Lynx, the Atari yeah. Jaguar. And the CDI. <laughs> I'm sorry. I owned a Jaguar. Did you really? Yeah. And it had that weird, weird controller with the bad like controller. Yeah, with the weird like cardboard inserts to tell you what the controls were because it was horrendous. <laughs> well, what the was the big the original game? Intellivision what was, what did that like too. The big fighting game that was supposed to come out for that. <laughs> I can't remember. I, I can't really remember the name of the games that we had. We had this one like spaceship game, and it had this this green head in the corner, this like alien woman, and she just used to yap on, like really irritating. Like, oh, where did you learn how to fly? And you're like, well, I'm trying to play the game, but the controls are so bad. <laughs> I'm looking at the games that came out for this for this uh, system right now. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Um. It, and it had some some games that, you know, were actually pretty big names like NBA Jam, Tournament Edition. They had Doom. R the very first Rayman was on there. And who can forget the classic Baldies? What? And pin I, I, I forgot. <laughs> pin I've never heard of that one. Pinball Fantasies. So, so Earthworm Jim is is so painfully nineties. Uh, I remember watching the cartoon as a kid and and playing the game and stuff. I'm not quite so sure if it's going to translate as well into today's era as well as other mascot characters have. Um, humor wise, especially, like he would have to take a bit of a step up in terms of humor. Um, I don't think he's gonna revive as well as stuff like Crash Bandicoot and stuff. Yeah, I think that uh, this is a stretch for nostalgia. Like, I'm excited about the game. I would I would really like to play it. And, you know, someone on um, 
Someone on Twitter, I tweeted about how sad it was that there was a new Earthworm Jim game coming and that it was not going to be on the Switch, you know, or any other console that anybody would ever play. And they reminded me, Towerfall, which is one of my favorite um, multiplayer games on Switch right now that was actually made by the creator of Celeste, Matt Makes Games. You know, it was a system exclusive when it first debuted. Do you know what system it was for? Is it going to be Ouya by any chance? Yes. Yeah. Yes, it was on the Ouya. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. I mean, I can see this. Uh, I can see Earthworm Jim not being system exclusive for very long. Um, oh no! I mean, if they put significant resources into it, it's not gonna be. Because I think I think the game in itself will will probably sell uh, as long as it's done right, and that that's the question mark on this because. Uh, we don't really know too much about the system that it's releasing on, realistically. Mm-hmm. So we don't know what sort yeah, of capabilities the console, this game... Console is still an, uh, an anomaly, and we don't know what's going on there. The plan is they they said they, they want no games to be more than $10, so at least we have a price point, which should probably also give us a so level of expectation getting, of what the quality of these games a, might be. Uh, we're getting Earthworm Jim Free Runner. Oh God! Well, the, so we're, we're not going to get a Legend Jim, of Zelda or Earthworm a Persona Jim. on this. Oh no, thing. I got it, guys. It's it's Earthworm Jim Three. It's Earthworm Jim Match Three. The, the thing is with the ten dollar games. I mean, the tool the toolkits for uh, game production is is you know okay. there's a lot of shortcuts you can take and a lot of. Um, sort of pre-packs you can buy and stuff to help your development away and there is a lot of games that are pretty decent for under ten dollars um so i think because the foundation of earthworm gym is already there and the way that it used to play and stuff they might even utilize the original engine so i don't think that it's uh, it's out of the realms of possibility for it to be at least good on ten dollars you're playing off what you said about a match three game the the controller in television controllers I, are supposed to have little mini screens that will be so mm-hmm. you can you know, probably play a mini mode on the controller and and then it behaves does something on the big screen. <laughs> so this is basically just a Dreamcast with with a more sophisticated touch controller. Think yeah. of like a Wii U, but. Uh, Smaller, smaller handheld controller, more left, more shaped. Like yeah, I'm, I'm looking at this new controller, and um, that's crap. Well, it's still, it's still, it's still it shaped like, like the original the, television. What did they call the? What did they call the little? Uh, was it a VMU virtual memory unit? Yeah, for the Dreamcast, Dreamcast, it looks like two of those together in a box, laying next to each other. Yeah, this. Mm. This is not going to do yeah. well. I think it'll have a lot of nostalgia for old television fans, but it's not. Gonna, I don't think it'll. Bring it's it's not going to do well in the mainstream. Let's let's put it no, that way. It, it, it'll um, be. I think it'll be pretty niche. I've and still, here's the deal. I'm we, like, we, I'm still on the fence, though. Likely going to get one when when they do announce it, but you know, I thought you know, I'm that audience. <laughs> here's the deal. We've already spent more time on this console than most people will spend on it when it comes out. Oh, so <laughs> let's—we should probably move on. 
just just a, just a quick thing on the Intellivision, right? It, it, a lot of people, when the uh, NES Classic and Super NES Classic came out, they're like, I wish I could buy uh, more games for it, maybe some Wi-Fi capabilities, all that sort of stuff. This is exactly what you're getting with this. And yet people are saying that they don't want it. So it, it kind of makes me think that, like, like, do we just need someone who's they a bit buy more... In- the Nintendo games yeah. on it. Yeah. Do, do, do we do we just need a company like Sony or Microsoft or, or Nintendo to release something like this? I mean, or or even Sega, um, where you know you have a. It's basically, people just want a virtual console, right? And and the, the trouble is, is licensing with these old games can be really awkward. So yeah. it's going to be interesting to see how it pans out. Personally, I'm not going to shoot it down yet. Uh, I don't think it looks promising, but I don't. I, I won't say it's going to be bad yet. I'll but I also said what. that about the Oya as well, so I could be completely wrong. G- Gary, Gary, I'll tell you this. Here you go. You ready? I will buy this console if they make Cool Spot Two. <laughs> <laughs> if yeah. if they ma- if I get another sprite based Cool Spot game or Seven Up, whatever it was, I'm in. You know, you, you just you just hit nostalgia right in the in, deep in the bone. Then, well, see, that's the thing is, I know that that's the game that will never yeah. see the light of day again. Even though, y'all, y'all don't know how crazy the '90s were with Yo Noid the game and uh, uh, the Cool Spot and Mick Kids and all that. And let me tell you what, Yo Noid and Cool Spot and Mick Kids, all three of those were fantastic games. Ah, the thing is, when you say Cool Spot, it just reminds me of the Games Master. I, I suppose you guys didn't get that program because it was very English. Um, I don't you, think so. You had a, a famous astronomer as the Games Master, and he was like, uh, he normally appeared as a big head, and he always wore a monocle. Like the guy, the guy just wore a monocle anyway. And he's and uh, you could write in asking for tips and tricks on games. And I just remember the Cool Spot one because he basically taught you how to just skip the entire level. Like there's, oh, a tr- there's a there's a tree trunk on the level, and you jump into the tree trunk, and you're at the end. You're welcome. No. <laughs> yeah, you <laughs> so know what else? I want to know how to get good at the game. Yeah, just skip it. Don't bother playing it. This, <laughs> and I know we are way off, but this is good stuff because you don't want another fantastic license game from the '90s where that will never was it will never see another light of day, and that is the Micro Machines racing game. Oh yes, Micro Machines V3. I used to love that one on the. Uh, Come on. The Come on, I, I, I played it on I, the NES. I had yeah. that on the NES. Apparently, it was a bootleg cart. It wasn't officially licensed by Nintendo, if I heard right. Later. <laughs> later. I mean, what do kids in our generation have to compare to this? The, like the Burger King games <laughs> that they gave away for Xbox 360 a few, That's pretty much two it. years ago? Yeah, like in television used to have a Kool Aid Man game. Kool Aid Man, the game. That oh my gosh! And uh, this that was like a mail order only game. Yeah this this now concludes nostalgia dads uh, for tonight. We'll we'll let Nintendo nostalgia stick to this stuff. Um, let's move on and talk about a little bit more news uh, here. Uh, right now, live on your Android or iOS device, you can go and download the Pokemon Pass mobile app. This is brand new. It launched today. And when? surprise, yesterday. or it launched yesterday, yeah. Surprise, it was developed uh, or written by a Nintendo Dad's patron. John Blanco is one of the people on the three-man team to write the iOS version of this app. 
So what does this app do? Well, for now, it gives you access to AR-based stickers so that you can take photos uh, of them and grant access. Uh, it also grants access to a special Pokemon in Let's Go Games. So if you have uh, Let's Go Pikachu, it will give you a shiny Eevee. If you have Let's Go Eevee, it will give you a shiny Pikachu, which sucks because I don't want Eevee. I want Pikachu. <laughs> Anyway, notice they're not making a Detective Eevee game. Just saying, or movie. I'm just saying. It's because nobody likes Eevee. Oh. Um, uh, it looks like Pokemon Pass isn't. It looks like Pokemon Pass isn't out in the UK, as is the case well, with every every uh, Nintendo app that comes out. That's that's what happens when you get all those cool pre-order exclusives. Uh, you don't get the apps. Sorry. That's fine. Oh, that's a that's a perfectly good trade for the yeah and, yeah. It really is. As soon as this, I said that, I was like, this, wait. This, this this one actually sounds pretty good. I mean, um, the thing is with Mitomo when that went is I missed the um, the the doing the room up and the the uh, camera features that Mitomo had, and I still wanted like a me photo app. Uh, I actually enjoyed that, and like the, the the creativity that people made from it was was just phenomenal. Um, but let's face it, the rest of Mitomo was was absolutely pointless. Yeah, Mitomo was um, a great idea on paper <laughs> that did not turn into a great idea in the hand. But, um, Jesse has some though, and, and I guess we can talk about this or though, right, Jesse? I mean, you got a little inside baseball on yeah, this app, I, right? And, and, and yeah, and I asked you know, and I and I, I asked him. A few questions and say what we talk about. I do want to talk about the show, so say only say what you're willing to say. And he gave me a statement. Um, well, first of all, before before that, I I did a qu small little quick impression of the app on Twitter, not knowing John was involved with it yet. So um, my first thought was, looks like a big marketing tool. Unless they do something more interesting with this, I'm probably going to delete it. That's where I get my shiny. And then he responded with, there is more to come. So then he announced in our Discord that he was a developer on it. And I asked him if he had, you know, had wanted, to, wanted to, to give a statement that we can say on the show. His response was, the app will speak for itself as it fully rolls out. There will be some fun uses for it. There'll be lots of rewards. Definitely worth keeping on your phone with notifications on, but it won't be an interactive, a daily interactive app like Pokemon Go. It's more of a marketing tool with presence. Since the promotion came out for Pokemon, he'll he will just be as surprised as everyone else. So he doesn't even know what it's going to be in the full end. He just designed the framework for it. Hmm. And then, and then, then I asked him. You know, how long has he, he has he had to sit on his hands about this? And he has he didn't respond to me, but <laughs> but so he apparently was, a while. He was really excited to talk about it when it was finally announced yesterday yeah, yesterday morning. Yeah. So it's out there. Um, I will say when I went to download it just now that when I was in the uh, app store looking at it, it is it does not look at all like you would expect it to when you first bring it up. The icon is very non-Pokemon-ish. 
Right. The word it, pass is the biggest. Yeah. Thing so you'll don't see. let that don't let that throw you off. I mean, the inside the A in the po- in pass, there's a pokeball, and I just like at first I was like, is that it? Because <laughs> I searched directly for Pokemon Pass, but it's there, and uh, I guess uh, it's there if you're in America. Right now, I don't know if it's out anywhere else. Uh, tweet us and tell us: Can you get Pokemon Pass? Yeah, and well, uh, well, the other promotions do are centered around Target. So he and he said earlier that Target is they don't have a Target in in his region. So unless they do something, you know, Nintendo of Europe does something with a different store in his area. This might be North America exclusive. Oh wow. And that's going to make some shiny hunters mad. Uh, But they probably already have shiny Pikachus and and Eevees anyway. So Uh, let's move on. Let's talk about a couple other things. Uh, Again, not much news. Bloodstained Ritual of the Night has gotten a visual upgrade as well as a release date uh, that was announced today. PlayStation release date video uh, that was released shows various scenes of the game uh, comparing the old artwork to the new style. Uh, and this is done to answer some criticisms about where the art style was headed. Uh, the PS4 version of this is going to release on actually all system versions of this are going to release on June 18th, except the switch version, which will come out a week later on June 25th. Also the bloodstained team says that the switch version was, was quote overheating, uh, during packs. Wow. So I would say that's probably why the extra week is there. Yeah. Is to make sure that everything is, is neat and tidy in the code. I know Justin uh, kickstarted this one and he is looking forward to it. Hopefully they get it early and it's not another mighty number nine. <laughs> uh, hey, right. you can get it on release day like everybody else. I'm still waiting on my 3DS version of mighty number nine. Um, we're going to, we'll, we'll talk about that here in just a couple of minutes. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, it's not coming. It's not coming. It's, it's not never coming. coming. It's never Duncan, coming. Duncan, they took I mean, your money. If you're holding your breath for that game, what's wrong with you? If you're holding that money, you listen, listen, you have a much more likely chance in reality right now of assembling the infinity stones than you do of playing mighty number no. nine on 3ds. I kind of hope it still comes out. I know it's a weird thing to say. I really do. You know, anyway, let, yeah, let's just okay. Let's just talk about I'm 3DS. Sure the source let's just go ahead because this right is a perfect segue into this. Can, Gary, I'm a, for your benefit. I'm going to say this. I hope that the very last release on 3DS is Mighty Number no. Nine. Right, you're going to hear this on this show right now, and I'm not going to say it again on Twitter or anything like that. If Mighty Number no. 9 comes out on 3DS, I will finally buy that game. Because it's been everywhere, it's been in sale. I will buy the 3DS version. So if it does come out, uh, expect, expect You're going to have a choice to buy like the Wii U version for $2 or the 3DS version for 30 or all, all I'm going to say is if it comes out on 3DS, you need to you need to get Patreon at a high tier because I will do a review for it in my underwear. You heard it here first. If it comes wow. out on 3DS, I'll review wow. it in my underwear. Gary After Dark, that's what we're calling it. <laughs> Gary, Gary After Dark. Uh, 
Speaking of 3DS, uh, Nintendo has released a statement this week following its, uh, and we, you guys remember last week on last week's show, we talked about the, uh, the new investor briefing and we talked about, you know, earnings and all kinds of stuff. Oddly absent from all of that was anything about 3DS. Whereas before it had been uh, a large part and had kind of decreased some since the switch had become so popular, uh, I think it's very telling now at this stage with the, with the switch being as popular as it is that it was not mentioned at all during that uh, investment. They, they did update hardware sales for 3ds, but I think that's it. I don't think they mentioned yeah. any games. They didn't mention any games. Uh, and to go along with that, Nintendo has now released a statement in which they said this, we have nothing new to announce regarding first party software for the Nintendo 3ds family of systems. New software is still coming from third-party developers. Uh, And as Jesse and I were talking about prior to the show, um, if you look back at that investor briefing, um, revenue estimates for Nintendo are showing, at least in the console side, I think you said we're showing about 80 to 85% of that revenue coming from Switch. From Switch. Uh, I'm not sure if that was projection or is what happened last year. But yeah, and that total revenue for the company was all was eighty-ish percent switch-related, which means yeah. 3ds is no longer the breadwinner like it used to be. So, whether it is last year or whether it's speculative for what they will earn in the new you know physical year, uh, I think both of those point to the fact that Nintendo they're not going to have a funeral, they're not going to invite the press, they may not issue a statement, but our buddy the 3ds is riding quietly into the night. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing with 3DS as well is, I know a lot of people have wanted it to go away since the Switch has launched, but um, I actually think that it, it phasing out itself was the natural way for it to go. Because we all remember like the, the Wii, which is like Skyward Swords out, and that's it. And it felt like abrupt and empty and, and completely dead afterwards. So like buying Skyward Sword almost became like, do I really want to buy it when the system's just going to die straight afterwards? And I, I think the 3DS has, uh, has actually had a decent sort of slowdown towards the end. Uh, the games that released at the end of the system, whereas there are only ports, they're really, really good ports as well. Like, I've been playing. I was playing Kirby's uh, Extra Epic Yarn for a while. I've had a little break from it, but it's a really good game. The the port of Luigi Mansion again, really good, and. You've got to remember that this system has been, it's had a really long life. Sure it has, yeah. And, and being backward compatible with DS, you know, you're yeah. going back to 2004. Yeah. It's it's had, a, a, I believe, a longer life than um, the vast majority of handouts out there. So You, you know, when when the Wii U drought was real and it was, and it was strong, the 3DS was my go-to Nintendo system. It was the system yep. that I that I picked up and played, and looked forward to games on. Uh, where I think a lot of people, and we've we've discussed this round and round and round, but I, I think it comes back to what a lot of people what what kind of put the the sour taste in their mouth or the bad taste in their mouth, however you want to call it, about the 3ds is that when the when Switch was was new. That there were games that were obviously would have worked on Switch and would have sold more and been had more hype and would have made a little bit more sense to be on Switch 
Now, I get that dev cycles were par- probably well well into it at that point. Uh, but if you look back at it, too, Nintendo tried a couple of ways. Like, like you'll notice, they did a couple of experiments with, with the 3DS over the past year and a half or so. They tried the just, let's let's port a game and let's just put it on 3DS and see what happens. And that didn't sell well because I don't think Luigi's Mansion sold all that great. Uh, I don't. I'm pretty sure Kirby's Extra Epic Yarn did not sell great. No, and, and Luigi Mario and Luigi was reportedly one of the worst selling Mario games. Yeah. The other thing that they tried was let's release it on the Switch and the 3DS, mm-hmm. and that happened with Sushi Strikers, and it also happened with Captain Toad. And I, I guess that probably didn't work very well either. Although, no, well, what's the interesting thing about that for me is having played both of those games, I would have rather had Sushi Strikers be 3DS only because I think it was built for that with the touchscreen and how you had to chain the sushi together. I would much rather have Captain Toad for Switch only because I, that's an absolutely gorgeous game. And porting it to the 3D, I know what you're about to say and you're wrong, but anyway, no, I'm not wrong. Uh, like, Porting it to the, the 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 3DS and having to squeeze it down, it just loses something. Yeah, so what I was going to say, and why Marty thinks I'm wrong, is I've got Captain Toad on the Switch and the 3DS, and I, I prefer it on the 3DS. I much prefer it on the 3DS. There's no annoying cursor. Uh, the you know There's still a mic, so those features work on it still. Oh, yeah. Uh, the touchscreen works on it really well. Um, however, I can completely understand why people would rather play on the Switch. Um it it is a shame that the 3ds is is gone, but at the same time, like I mean, the DS the DS line held me more through the Wii era and the 3ds more through the Wii U era um, than the, than the home consoles did. Except the Switch is the natural evolution of both of these markets. So um, unfortunately, things have to go away. I mean, the Game Boy went away, the DS line went away. Fifteen years of of DS. Yep, the the Wii line went away. Although I don't think many people missed the late half what? of that. <laughs> what I think this points to more than anything, and again, following the, the old saying, where there's smoke, there's fire. I think this points to the fact that there is a, a such a thing as a Switch Mini. Say again? I, I, I think this points to the fact that there is such a thing that exists at, or will exist that, as a Switch Mini. Yeah, yeah, which is what I've been saying. You know, uh, you know, and there's some interesting, I'm not saying they're official, but there's some interesting concepts yeah. for it out there of, uh, I even saw one today that I really thought was just spot on. And it was, um, basically the shape of a joy con on its side, you know, with the flat top, the, uh, it had an actual D pad and a stick and buttons and follow me here because I know that's confusing. Um, and then it had a screen on top of that that kind of flattened out at the top, so it looked like a U shape, right? Yeah. And the I screen saw this. at the top, I didn't like this the, design. The screen at the top had a rail on it so that you could click a second Joy-Con on it and turn it on its side to play DS games. And that, <laughs> I just thought that that was pretty smart. It's a way that they could could keep DS games out there and keep those sales for those coming as well. But I just think, you know, they're not going to, 
they're not going to exit the handheld market because they've dominated it for so long and it's it's brought them so much money. They're not going to exit the the handheld market without without having something in the pipe that comes after this. Yeah, so I it's mean, I mean, to, mini switch. To be fair, even without the mini switch, a switch is that 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 right. way of going anyway. Right. I mean, it, essentially, the switch is uh, a really good handheld with home console capabilities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've I've found that honestly, I play my Switch eighty percent handheld, mm. and I I very rarely dock it. In fact, I I almost prefer it handheld. So that that'll tell you something right there. Saying so, it may be that may be Nintendo very well for a while may give a lot of people what they wanted, which is okay. You've merged the dev teams. Stop trying to develop for two consoles. Just develop great games for the Switch because it's portable and at home. And I, and I think that's where a lot of the frustration with continuing to develop for 3DS goes. But I think that the, the read between the lines of Nintendo's statement here, it's not, we don't have anything new to announce, it's we're not going to announce anything new. You know, the, I, I really... <laughs> don't, there's right. not going to be... There's not going to be any more first-party software from Nintendo for this. Like, you'll get, you'll get your third-party stuff, and that's it. Then, you know... Go- Going back a little bit to the Switch Mini, when Nintendo said that they're not going to talk about any hardware at E3, so some people were like, "Oh, okay, I guess that debunks that rumor." Uh, no, it doesn't. It doesn't mean it just means that they're going to announce it sometime non E3. Like, yeah, a, a I, week somebody, afterwards. If somebody who doesn't think that the Switch Mini is going to happen uh, with the welded on Joy Cons. Uh, I still think they will do a, a console revision, and I still think it'll be this year announced this year. Except, I think if they are going to do it and they are going to release it, it would be in line with Pokemon. So, oh, I completely agree with with. It's going to be Black Friday release to catch up the Pokemon hype and to catch those dollars right there for Christmas. Yep, I I fully see. Like, what do they do? They call that Q four. Or does Q4 bleed over into the next year? Well, to count, it depends on if you're talking about calendar year or fiscal Q4. Yeah, calendar Q4 is is uh, October through December, right? You know, you know, if fiscal, that's actually Q3. Yeah, so In they the same range, but that, and I think that they count it. I think Nintendo counts it fiscal. So you're looking at Q, Q3 release, right? For yeah. for Pokemon for whatever this revision is blah 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 anyway uh, let's move on let's talk about some Super Mario Maker two this is uh, getting close last week we had the uh, the release date reveal of June twenty eighth uh, over the last week there have been some interesting leaks that have happened mostly out of Japan actually all out of Japan uh, via two separate avenues of finding these out the first one being a kind of like a a cardboard stand-up in a game store the second one being a video that was posted to nintendo of japan's instagram earlier the stand-up reveals uh, a couple of interesting things uh the first being cat bowser is going to be part of the game uh so you're going to be able to apply the bell power up to other uh, characters as well. I would imagine those will work probably for Goombas and others. You'll be able to make cat style enemies. Give you a winged cat piranha plant. Yep. <laughs> it's going to be interesting. 
Uh, also, um, and I don't know what this means. So maybe somebody, if you're if you're watching along on YouTube, you can kind of help with this, or somebody can tweet us. Uh, dynamic water. Uh, is, yeah, so so that means that basically the the water level can rise during the level as well. So oh, okay. uh, where in Mario Maker One it was either all underwater or not underwater. Uh, this actually has like half and half, so you gotcha. can be on So you're going to be able to like put under. water in a container or like you, yep. you yeah. Or okay, it, that it just the water level it goes up and down at a certain pace, like some yeah. Mario three well, levels. I'm, yeah, I'd be fine with that, but I'm also like I'd like to add some water to some of my levels. Yeah, I hope that that's what all that means. Also, uh, on this uh, cardboard stand up. The return of Amiibo costumes is hinted at, which makes me super happy because that was one of the best parts of Mario Maker 1 was designing a level and running through it as like Bowser Jr. or Waluigi or and whatever. That, Sonic. And that, that feature Sonic. is what got me to play Mo- Mario Maker mostly the first time is to try to collect them all. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the video that was shown on their Instagram is also interesting in that it goes through uh, kind of some different themes. It starts in Super Mario Brothers, and Mario starts out in a traditional like Super Mario One One lev- style level until he begins to run to the right, and all of a sudden there's different blocks and power ups and different things. He goes through a pipe, and all of a sudden he's in Super Mario World theme. But now there is a brand new sky level theme, including new music uh, that was not available in the. It's not the it's not the airship. It's like the the hills level, you know, like where there's like you know rotating platforms and different things. Also seen during this is uh, a brand new enemy that is like a tornado. It's like a little white ball with lips and eyes, and it has air swirling above it, like yeah, a tornado. Showed, yeah, they showed that in the one of the original trailers as well. Oh, okay. I just I must have missed that. Uh, but he's there. And then he they, they run through this level until they go through the pipe again. And now it's new Super Mario Brothers style, but it's Super Mario Brothers three or Super Mario three D World style in two D. And it shows off uh clear pipes and a lot of the enemies that have been uh added into the, the like the new Super Mario style as well as the cat suit. The level ends with Mario popping out of a invisible pipe and using the cat like jump, which sends him diagonally onto the top of the flagpole. He gets a bunch of one ups and he's done. So and the best, the best looking part of this new super, uh, this Mario Maker Two is the, is this sort of thing where we're going to see Cap Mario in two D because now instead of just being uh, people using the old mechanics smart in a smart way, we're going to see whole new mechanics for a two D Mario, which sure, I think is. Yeah. is is um, a real pull to me because as somebody who owned the first one twice on 3DS and Wii U, um, there was a lot of levels that were just samey as the old games, even though, because people would try to make a good Mario level. And now you're going to get interesting levels that are still quite old school Mario-like, but with new mechanics. Yeah. You know, I'm excited for this. At this point uh, in the development of Mario Maker... I feel like we knew more about Super Mario Maker than we know about Super Mario 2 at the, uh, Maker 2 at this point. Uh, we at least knew all of the themes and 
all of the like breakdowns, you know, in those like, you know, Mario, Super Mario Brothers had Overworld and Underworld and Castle. And, you know, then and now, you know, they've been very they've been very fast and loose with it. We're not getting a lot of information. Uh, I mentioned last week that, you know, on the show that we didn't know anything really about Nintendo's E3 game. And someone tweeted back to me during the week that Mario, they believe Mario Maker 2 is Nintendo's E3 game. I think it's possible. I I, I do too at this point because it's of of release dates after E3. So yeah. yeah. And, and like, honestly, we've seen hide nor hair of animal crossing. We've seen hide nor hair of Luigi's mansion. Uh, It's either this or astral chain. (laughs) I I actually, I actually think they're going to do similar to what they did with uh, last year. Um, E3, where they didn't actually have one massive focus on one game. They had lots of um, basically. I know. I know. Smash was a part of it, and like the floor was more decorated to Smash. But I think I don't think they're going to do one big focus like they have done before because this year they have too many games that are killer. Whereas every other year they've had to focus on one game yeah. because they've had to really drive home that one game. This year you got Mario Maker, Luigi's Mansion, Animal Crossing, Astral Train, Damon X Machina. Uh, Pokemon, <laughs> like calm down, guys. It's too much. <laughs> yeah, there's gonna be there's a lot of uh, just great first party content coming, in, and not including third party stuff. Uh, I do think that E3 this year, and I know we we we're not officially talking about E3 yet, but I'm gonna throw this out here. You know, the past couple of years, Nintendo has made it a habit to announce one huge crowd pleaser third party game. At E3, and I definitely think that we'll see that again. Ooh, I'm interested to see what you yeah. think. I'm wondering if they're um, going to do like Best Buy demo stations for Mario Maker, like they did back at E3. Ooh, that'd be good. 2014. Like, was they that? never come near us, though. So um, the, the, the the closest they come to us is probably New York. <laughs> wow, we don't we don't get any, we don't get I mean, any yeah. of those. You, you know, I mean. Going back to your the video you talked about, so I took one of two ways that the game is going to end up working. Because, you know, the original game, the start and the flagpole has to be on the same same stage, but you can have a second stage that can do other things as long as you have a way to get back. But so either they allow for multiple stages where the the start and the flagpole don't have to be on the same level. And then each level then had its own art style, which is also new. Or just, you know, it still had the same limitations as the first one, where the start and the stop was at the same level, and you can have one ex- one other level, but now you have the ability to change the art style via a pipe. Because it didn't start and end the same way. It's interesting that you mention that because it seemed to be the focus of that video, didn't it? Yeah. It wasn't so much about revealing new enemies or new power-ups. It was all about that you go through a pipe and then it's a different type of Mario. Right. You know, And you know, the flagpole was not the same style as the start. Right. You're exactly right. I mean, that could just be three videos spliced together. 
but that's also possible. But that would be, I think, that would get uh, people upset after showing yeah, this, and then you uh, can't do that in game. It's also surprising to me that Nintendo has dropped this on their Japanese uh, Instagram, and we've not seen anything like it pop up on their UK and American channels yet. Of course, it may tomorrow, but uh, it's just interesting that it's it's not come up. It's a strange one because we get this sort of stuff with Splatoon as well, where they get stuff revealed in on, on Japanese, like Twitter and stuff like that. I think it's because the messaging doesn't really need to, like all these little details don't really need to be released in a proper big trailer and stuff, because people will talk about them anyway. People will find them and they make their own um, news stories. Uh, but maybe it's not something that will catch the attention of the casual gamer, and that's why they don't do it. So uh, I could actually see quite a few details coming out of it about Mario Maker over the next coming weeks where they're just just on something. They're just on a poster. They're just on a, on a website. They're on a tweet and stuff like that because it's a way of getting the message to the fans well, not sort of confusing the casual gamers with, like, bombarding them with stuff. So... Um, yeah, until the next big reveal, I think I think we're just going to get like trickles of what's to come. Yeah, I I, I actually agree with you on that, Gary. Uh, that's it for our news this week. Let's get into the scary world of rumors, shall we? And I don't know if this is so much something that we might classify as a rumor this week other than to uh, uh, to get, dive into wild speculation about what this means. Uh, Pokemon Company made a statement this week uh, as they developed Pokemon Sword and Shield. And this was the comment that was made that the new games are being developed to, quote, emphasize the fun of playing in handheld mode on the Switch. Now... I want, I, I want to hear what you guys think about this before we talk about what the internet is saying about this. Um, what do you, what do you guys think? The internet's wrong. Well, <laughs> I don't think I, I don't necessarily was going to go there. I think the internet is worried about what this means. Yeah. So, my, uh, so, so yeah. Thoughts, go ahead, Jesse. So yeah, obviously, you know, the game will be designed to be handheld and docked it's not they're not going to limit it to handheld only but i think because pokemon has been traditionally a handheld franchise they're going to still going to be keep it with handheld in mind so i think fonts will be bigger so if you play it on big tv it's going to look like a jeep like you're playing a gba on the tv which looks pretty ugly it may not be that drastic but you know it, i think it will be you know perfectly playable handheld for those who want to, but it's again, I think it'll still be dockable and you can still enjoy it that way if you want. But again, this is Pokemon is a series that is meant to, you know, you go to the playground, connect, connect two systems together and trade and battle. That's how it always has been. And you can't do that when it's docked. I, I actually think, believe the same as Jesse. I think it just basically means that, um, like, as they're developing it, they're going to develop it on the same size screen as handheld. So they're going to make it so you can read text, uh, things are clearer, things stand out um, or on handheld. Um, so, like, for example, on, on um, some games when there's items about, they can be pretty hard to see on a small screen. 
but then as soon as you're playing on TV, they're obvious that they're there. Um, Monster Hunter did basically something um, where on handheld, it's really hard to read. It, it's it's really hard to read the text on Monster Hunter handheld because it looks like it was made to be more on the TV uh, because of the upscaling. And I think that uh, that that's basically it. That it's just it's just going to be designed more on handheld so that it's it's it, it fits more to that naturally than it, it would if it's just squashed down from being developed on a big screen. And we know based on the art style shown in the trailer that it is not going to be graphically intensive. Yeah, we're not we're not right. going to get a Breath of the Wild style game that looks like Detective Pikachu. <laughs> right. Well, I think what people were worried about is something that you kind of both hit on is that it would be developed in handheld only and it would be playable in handheld only. But I think that with the pressure that's on the the Pokemon company as they develop this that that would be shooting themselves in the foot. And I think they know that. But I also go back to an earlier article that, or you know, an earlier statement that they made back when, back before they even revealed Pokemon Sword and Pokemon Shield, that uh, one of the developers was basically quoted as saying, "Developing for the Switch has been more uh, more difficult than we thought it would be." Yeah. And 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 so I think that this first time out. What people are wanting is that Breath of the Wild style Detective Pikachu game, but what they're going to get is pretty 3DS. Yeah, I mean, well, you, you can take that quote in any direction that you want as well. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's the Switch itself that's hard to develop for. You got to remember that this is their first full blown original um, RPG uh, in yeah. HD, and, and they've and got yeah, up from while they have 3DS. done polygonal models before on the 3DS, you know. They're they're going from 240p to 1080p. Yeah, that they have that they have to be able to account for and but, still but make it why, look nice. I guess my question in that would be is like you know you're scaling up, right? You know you're going from from like you said 240p to 1080p. You know it's gonna not just the scale of the like the you know the design art wise and everything, but like the scope of the project. Why not hire people who can help you with that? But we we don't necessarily know that they haven't. Um, I mean, True. we didn't find out that uh, Breath of the Wild was part developed by Monolith Soft until like a couple of months before release. Um, so they could well have done something like that, or or even just hired people in advance. Um, yeah, I, I think I think it's um, it, it it could even just be a marketing thing, just just. Put this word out, you know, make people go crazy, um, make them remember that Pokemon is a portable game. Yeah, that, and Nintendo knows, based on history, how much it costs them to make each game. You know, each game. You know, obviously the Switch is going to be a little bit more intensive because of, you know, the time it needs to do the higher models and whatnot, uh, but also. You know, they're going to be charging $20 more than the previous generation's mainline series per unit. And, um, you know, this will definitely be at least a $10 million seller. 
So oh, you know, yeah. they they know what their revenue stream is going to look like. They, I, again, I don't know what their budget is and what and what their profits are looking like, but at least you know they have an idea of they know it's going to be an increase in revenue just because it's on a Switch versus a 3DS. And so they know they have they have more money to throw around at it if they want to, and still be profitable. Yeah. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what what comes out with this. Of course, we're we're definitely going to get more news about Pokemon at E3. I think it's inevitable. And uh, you know, we've gotten the setting, we've gotten the three starters. We'll start to get into a little more, a few more systems from the game, and. And maybe and the story as well, and evolutions. I fully expect revealed evolutions at E3, at least the middle ones. Uh, maybe not the final. Yeah, of course. But there will be no one. Very few people care about the middle ones. At least I don't. It's the final yeah. ones. Yeah, uh, I think I think they'll really probably want. I think they'll probably focus more on like returning Pokemon or new Pokemon other than the starters, and they may even show off like one of the armored evolutions and talk about the armor a little bit because we know that's coming as well. Maybe, so maybe, maybe mention talk more about Meltan if you know if that yeah. is involved in the story. I highly believe, Jesse, that Meltan plus another Pokemon equals armored well, evolution. Right. Well, just like Zek- Zekrom uh, back in X and Y. You know, we, yeah. we, when we said the next game's going to be Z, and they didn't do a next game, but they just jumped right to Sun and Moon, mm-hmm. and Jekrom was a big part of that plot game's plot. Yeah, so, yeah, you know, they, absolutely. They'll they'll re, they'll use them in a in, you know Meltan in the in the plot in some way. Yeah, they don't they don't just develop they're not Pokemon gonna, and they're then not going to throw those there. away, especially legendaries like that. Uh, let's discuss something. How about that? If you have an internet-enabled device, uh, I want you to pause this show right now. Uh, Actually, don't pause it just yet. I want you to do this. Go to this. uh, Go throw in your Google machine or YouTube machine uh, Sonic the Hedgehog trailer 2019. And now go find that and pause it and go watch that before we talk about this next segment because it probably won't make as much sense or be as infuriating or laugh-inducing if you have not seen that trailer. So go Sonic the Hedgehog trailer 2019, pause the show, go watch it, and we'll be waiting for you when you come back. So on Tuesday uh, of this week, the very first trailer for the live-action Sonic the Hedgehog uh, movie dropped to almost unanimous, complete and utter disgust. What? (laughs) Uh, Mainly due to the design of Sonic. Now, we had already seen some maybe promotional artwork that they said was not finalized, we had already seen some of the silhouettes or and you know the view of his legs on some of the uh, you know like the preview posters but this was our first look at both Sonic the Hedgehog in action James Marsden as the lead human character and Jim Carrey as Dr. Robotnik which praise the lord in heaven almighty that they're calling him Dr. Robotnik again thank you so much better than Eggman Fight me. I don't care. <laughs> Robotnik is such a better name. Um, 
But as of tonight, as we record this podcast, uh, there has been a tweet sent out by the movie's director walking back the design that has been almost, as we said, universally panned across the internet. It's already spawned, like, it's, it, if you haven't seen it by now and you've been on the internet, it's almost inescapable. It is, it is inspired so many memes already. My favorite, favorite one is the person who created the Sonic the Hedgehog title screen from the original game with the 3D render on the inside instead of like the actual Sonic from the game. It's brilliant. Uh, the one I saw that's horrifying is they, they, they took the eyes out and put it in place of its mouth and then took the mouth out and put them in place of its yeah, eyes. Well, whoever did that... God, it's like nightmare fuel. Oh my gosh. Uh, but speaking like, of nightmare fuel, let's, let's like, talk about this trailer. Oh boy. Jesse, you've watched it. Gary, you've watched it. Mm-hmm. I've watched it. Um, I'm going to say something shocking here. And uh, after I've kind of crapped all over it here for the last few minutes, I think if they, if they do some tweaks to the design uh, and do some things, and they uh, are tonally aware of themselves in the script beyond what we have seen. This would be a great kids movie, right? Yeah. So, so my my thoughts on this trailer is, uh, I think that um, everyone's blown it kind of out of the water, which they're going to. Full disclosure: Sonic- Gary is a huge Sonic the Hedgehog fan. <laughs> I really wouldn't say a huge fan. <laughs> You're like more of a fan than most people. I like the classic games. Okay. Uh, I, I don't think Sonic's been good since Sega lost the Dreamcast. Um, other than Sonic Mania, obviously. Uh, but I, you I don't mean, hate him like Justin does. As 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 someone who's over thirty, right? You start to realize that things get recreated and redone and repurposed and redesigned constantly, constantly going at it, and we always re- hate the redesigns, no matter what it is, whether it's Scooby Doo, whether it's the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, it doesn't matter what it is. We're always going to hate it because it's not our nostalgia. Okay, this is isn't a good redesign of Sonic. I don't think I don't think anyone on the planet is going to say it's the best redesign. Now remember the freak out over Sonic Boom's redesign? Yeah, well that, that that that's that's a good design now apparently compared to this. Oh, it's minor compared <laughs> to this. Yeah, and I've heard a lot of you, people trying to, def- to you know trying to defend it, saying you know this this isn't really meant for you. This is meant for kids. I gotta say no, because. We're the ones with the nostalgia. We're the ones with the money to go to the movies. Honestly, you're exactly right because kids have, uh, most kids, I don't think, have any attachment to the character of Sonic the Hedgehog because it's not been a driving force in video games, really. I mean, I don't, besides Sonic Mania, name the last Sonic game that set the world on fire. I think the the one that was on Mario Sonic at the Olympics. <laughs> the one that was on that Wii, so, I think. No, no was I'm talking about his solo decent. games. <laughs> the, the first one on Wii, uh, they kind of hit, blended the classic style and the newer style. That was, I, I, that, that, was that was Colors, right? No, Generations. 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 Yeah, and you know, at least I remember hearing you know that it wasn't 
it wasn't Sonic Mania great, but it was not bad. You know, it was it was Sonic. Uh, I remember when I was you know, at E3 that year, I pl- I played the first level, and my thought was, "Yeah, this is a Sonic game. I'm done because I really didn't care for Sonic." But it, you know, it felt like a Sonic game. It did what it was supposed to do. Yeah. Um, well, I'm like Gary. I mean, I ha- I have huge nostalgia for Sonic One, Two, and Three, and Sonic Adventure on the Dreamcast. And then for me, there's not been a satisfactory Sonic game until Mania. And and it always has something to do with. It's not so much the story, which the story of Sonic the Hedgehog and the universe is bonkers. But so is Mario. If 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 you really want to get down to brass tacks, Mario's story is bonkers. Sonic's story is bonkers. But and so it's not so much to do with the universe as the there's always something about modern Sonic games to me that feels off. It's too floaty or it's too slippery feeling like as far as the, you know, like when you're like the way the character feels moving across the surface or or whatever, you know, it like and mostly it's in the 3D attempts. And I know that they have their fans out there, but like I just look at this and like I can't help but feel like we're repeating Super Mario Brothers, you know, what, what was his name? Yeah, 93, like John Leguizamo and Bob, what Hopkins. was his name? Bob, Bob yeah, Bob Hopkins. So, so no, we're not. And the reason is, is because this, uh, this actually got things right. It's just this, it's just the Sonic design was a little strange. Um, like when you, t- I mean, if they just gave him that sort of, you know, the attached eye thing, then the rest of the design actually isn't really that bad. Okay, yeah. looks like a child in a onesie. Yeah, so, so you thing. tell me, so what did it get right? What did it get right, Robotnik? Hands down, Robotnik. Straight away, <laughs> really? Robotnik. Yeah. But of course it did. It's a kid's film. Okay, so, right. I, I, I think, are they trying to there, make who's... it too... Like, they're, I think they're trying to overthink it too much. Because, like, is is he an alien? Is that what they're saying? Sonic. Yes. Well, is Sonic well, an from, alien? He's at least he, from a different Earth. If, which okay, so... There's a few things I want to break down here, right? Which which people have been complaining about. One thing is the big ring teleporting them. That's always been a thing in Sonic games. Yeah, that's canon. Any Sonic fan will know that that is a thing. And yet it's being complained about, right? And the second thing is nobody really knows what the hell Sonic is. <laughs> like, really doesn't know what he's it a, is. He's, he's a the hedgehog. Yeah, he's the <laughs> hedgehog. And, and along, this, along with this, Shadow this, and Silver and never mind. And, and one of the one of the old like uh, you know canon things was that he was actually created by Robotnik, and, it, and from what what what's in this, it actually kind of looks like that's going to line up again, like with the electricity and the spikes and stuff like that. You know that was that was kind of um, I can't remember the exact reason why, but Robotnik got this normal hedgehog to run on a treadmill with some special shoes on, and he ended up turning blue and it's doing bonkers. mad. As a DC fan. I was offended by the lightning. <laughs> Light lightning has a special connotation in DC. Like Superman runs no lightning because he doesn't access speed force, but other speedsters who do access speed force do. So I'm thinking. So that's that what jumped out at me. Because you, I'm, you know what, the, I'm a big fan of the Flash. So <laughs> the most offensive thing to me about the whole trailer was the extremely extremely cringe worthy line every hero has a genesis 
Oh. Yeah. So, yeah, not, I would say lying. Which does not but, translate yeah. outside of the United States at all. Right. Mm-hmm. Right? Every, every hero has a Mega Drive. <laughs> <laughs> Show title right there. That's okay for someone like Iron Drive. Man. That actually would kind of work if you're like a like a mechanized hero. Okay, uh, so here's so, so, here's how I feel like they redeemed this movie. Now, now I'll, we'll come back to that. We'll come back to that. What were you going to say, Gary? I'm, I'm, I don't want people to think I'm by any means defending um, the way that Sonic looks and stuff, but I think that redesigns happen and people aren't happy with them, but then in the long run they can kind of work. Um, I think that if you showed this trailer to any kid without context of your own hatred or your own opinions of it, uh, I showed it to my daughter without saying a single thing about it, and she she knew it was Sonic straight away, regardless of the redesign, and she thought it looked really good. I was asking her about it later, and she's I said, "Do you want to go and see it?" She said, "Yes." So um, I, I think it's a bit of an awkward one because it's easy to completely trash it, and it's easy to say it's a kids' film, and it's easy to say that this is going to bomb, but. The truth is, none of us really know because we're talking about this from the point of gamers, from the point of uh, people who played the old games. But let's face it, Sonic's had a, a crisis in identification for a very long time, whether it be a werehog or whether it be bandage tape or <laughs> whatever it might be. Sonic's gone through some horrific designs anyway. And I think that... Um, this is just one of those really awkward choices that didn't pan out. But I also believe that there will never be a good Sonic movie unless it was completely CGI. And let's not speak too soon because Mario's around the corner. <laughs> the only thing that I can hope that comes out of this is that Nintendo takes this trailer to DreamWorks. What they, if, they're, if Nintendo is smart, Nintendo will take this trailer to DreamWorks and sit down in front of whoever and Shigeru Miyamoto, whoever you know, whoever's working with him on this movie, and point at the screen and say, "Not this." <laughs> but in Not all fairness, this. Mario's had way worse of a film than this Sonic looks. And uh, if well, people if people think right. it's otherwise, no, Mario did not nail anything. Now Mario, the Mario film, I like that film. If you consider that it's got nothing to do with Mario, it's right. really yeah, not that it, bad. It, it, it's made by movie people who've never played the games. Yeah. They had to they went by like a bullet list of things that Mario can do and they say, okay, we can put that into a movie. Yeah. So so we're we've we've thrown around the word redesign. And the reason we've thrown around that, that word is that Jeff Fowler, who is the movie's director, he sent out this tweet earlier today. And this these this is exact words. The message is loud and clear. You aren't happy with the design and you want changes. It's going to happen. Everyone at Paramount and Sega are fully committed to making this character the best he can be. Hashtag gotta fix fast. So, and then wrench uh, emoji. Wrench emoji. Yeah, there was a wrench emoji. So <laughs> here's, here's kind of what I want us to, to dial in on as we kind of wrap this, this up about Sonic is I hope. And, and in the words of, of our good friend, Zach Erickson, uh, I'm going to say this high hopes, low expectations. What I hope that you're not doing out there in listener land is expecting the next time you see Sonic in a trailer for it to look like Sonic CD has come to life. Right. Right. Or the original Sonic the Hedgehog. Cause Sonic, we, we were talking world. about this. 
we were talking about this kind of before the show. I would say expect some tweaking of the eyes, expect some tweaking of the teeth, which is another thing that people have just hammered on over the last few days. Expect some tweaking, maybe, maybe of the proportions, and that's it. Yeah, you know, I mean, probably, they've, they've, I don't think they're uh, going to do much with the height. It's because, no, no, know, no. I'm talking about like torso and leg length and things like oh, that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The overall height, I think they can't tweak because they've recorded the actors looking at this height. And if they shrink Sonic, it won't make any sense. But yeah, I agree. You know, less legs, more torso might make more sense. Changing the face a little bit might make sense. I saw one uh, uh, fan tweak of changing the human teeth to more like fangs, almost like what they you see in Splatoon. That looked really good. Yeah. Uh, and I, I've got to go back and agree with Gary too, that I think like I showed this trailer is because my son, he does like Sonic for whatever reason. And <laughs> like he, he religiously watched the Sonic boom cartoon, uh, which is a whole nother talk for a whole nother day. Uh, he so I showed him this trailer and he, he to this day he's like I'm going to see that I want to see that and I was like well you'll probably be seeing it on your own money he's like I don't care I want to see it I like Sonic um but I do think that the saving grace of this movie and, and we kind of haven't mentioned this either is is going to be Jim Carrey yeah like you said Gary that he was part of what was right and I will agree with that. But as somebody tweeted earlier this week as well, there's only so many, so much polish you can put on a turd before you realize <laughs> it's still a turd uh, and you're just getting messy. And I, like, I'm, that's what I'm afraid of is that like you're taking a guy like Jim Carrey who has some pretty awesome chops as an actor and you're giving him the video game script equivalent of a series of unfortunate events which is a horrible movie that he managed to pull some worth out of in his presentation as Count Olaf. Yeah, I actually really like that film as well. <laughs> well, so. then, man, you just, like, go watch that and Sonic back-to-back. There you go. I will tell you how I think they can redeem this movie. All right? Two words. Metal Sonic. So the one thing, the one thing that I'm taking from this and this fix is that they're not going to be able to do too much because let's face it, they probably put millions of dollars into promotional art already that's come out. So it's way too late to do a redesign. They're just going to retract the teeth a little bit, and that's it. Um, I I think the Jim Carrey. I think that this is more of an origin origin story of Robotnik, from what I gather about it. And I think that Jim Carrey looks like he's going to do a really good job, especially at the end of the trailer when you saw him as like the Robotnik with the bald head. Where do you head think that comes in in the movie? Uh, I think he's going to be towards the end. Yeah, what I was seeing because if you look at the background of that scene, you see like tall mushrooms. Yeah, so I think maybe when he'll go through a ring warp. And yep. kind of in the Sonic world, be a transformation so he's more fits in with that, which means Sonic may have be a transform from this different from what he is in his world when he enters ours. See, which, what I think is is that he goes into that world and he goes nuts. Yeah, that's possible. I, 
It's kind of uh, like the the old Warner Brothers cartoons. Like I can't catch, uh, uh, you know, Tom can't catch Jerry. So at the end of the episode, Tom is nuts and he's like going, you know, and doing yeah. on that. That's robotic. Yeah, I, I can see I, that. Uh, I think that the the warp rings are going to be a big part in it, and and I think that if I mean people could correct me if I'm wrong here, but I believe that Sonic X cartoon did the thing with the warp ring where it was between two different dimensions, between like the animal world, human world. So I, that's been done before, and I believe that's probably the route they're going with this. Um, overall, I actually think it looks half decent. Um, I don't really like Sonic's design, but I can live with it. Um, I don't think they'll ever use that going forward ever again after this, but I think that um, it'll be kind of a fun film. I don't really think it'll do too well at the box office, but I think that Jim Carrey will do pretty good, considering that he hasn't really done anything very good for a long time. I think <laughs> that I think that this could be the role where he's at at his funniest he's been for a while. Yeah, it's kind of that that um, mid nineties. Ace Ventura style Jim Carrey, right? That we haven't seen in a long time. Um, like I just I watched most of The Mask a few, like a few months ago, and I'm like, oh, I forgot how funny this is. Yeah, it's it's actually really good. It's a lot. It's a lot better than some people give it credit for. Uh, let's close up our discussion about this movie uh, with this. Uh, Sonic is known for having friends, right? Tons of friends. That never seemed to end. Uh, over under on Amy Knuckles or Tails in this movie? Um, I I think Tails is probably the most likely because he was the first sidekick. But yeah, but if we get if we get an Amy, I think we have Knuckles, and I think we get at least all three. I mean, those are the big three, right? Yeah, right. I, I think it kind of goes in order. With the, the Tails, Knuckles, Amy, in, ter- in in terms of probability, yeah, Gary, what do you think? Uh, I hope they're not in it, but um, <laughs> yeah, if Sonic looks like that, just mend what everyone else will look like. Yeah, it, I, I I kind of hope they're not in it, but um, I can see Tails being in it. Um, I personally, deep down, I would I would kind of like to see Tails. Um, but I I, I, want, I don't want the discussion about the readings. What will that look like say, animated? One of, one of the funniest designs uh, or memes that I saw was like the original, uh, you know, promotional artwork for Sonic, and it says Sonic the Hedgehog, and then underneath I have like the same background, and it says Tails, and it has this like ratty, dilapidated fox puppet, and it says Tails wants to die. <laughs> wow. Yeah, there, there was a there was a, a I've seen one where there was a, there was a, a, a adult puppet show in England called Mongrels, and one of one of the lead characters in it is this like um, really scruffy looking dirty fox. Yes, that's who's him. got like hole in the he- ear and stuff yes. like that. And I've seen I've seen him put into the poster's tails, which is which is pretty funny. But with the <laughs> with the digitized teeth and eyes. Uh, oh god. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Before we get grossed out too much, let's talk about a couple of events. Well, did you want me? To, where did uh, that one audio cue you wanted me to queue up? We, did, we never got a chance to use it. We're doing. We to throw it in now. Or? Oh yeah, okay. We I did ask Jesse to pull up a, a general audio cue about how we felt about the Sonic movie, and here it is. 
That was before the director tweeted that they were changing some stuff. So, right. Kind no, of that was literally yeah. a last minute note. Yeah. So now let's talk about a couple of events. Uh, not just Pokemon Go this week, but let's talk about some Pokemon Let's Go as well. Uh, we'll start with that. Target stores will have a QR code available starting May 11th through June 23rd, where you use the Pokemon Pass app that will give you a shiny Eevee if you have Let's Go Pikachu or a shiny Pikachu if you have Let's Go Eevee. Those must be obtained in Target stores. Uh, and so, uh, guess download the Pokemon Pass app as, and hit up your local Target to find that beginning uh, May 11th. That's a pretty generous time frame. That's yeah. like five weeks to get how, that. How the app will connect with the game to give you the shiny i don't yet know i'm sure mr blanco does but uh he hasn't he hasn't shared that yet that that'll that'll that's coming <laughs> i'm sure that they'll, they'll talk yeah. about that uh in pokemon go events uh generation four late trio azelf uh yuxi and mess me spirit mess spirit are currently the level five raid targets uh, each one of these three get different regions of the world uh azelf gets americas and greenland Yuxi gets uh, Europe, Middle East, Africa, and India, and Me Spirit gets um, Asia Pacific region. It starts from today, meaning the day that you're hearing this, until the 27th at 1 p.m. Pacific time. And Niantic confirmed that these will not be rotating regions and will remain region specific for the near future. So if your favorite Pokemon's not in your region, Nana Nana Boo Boo, you can't have it. Sorry. Book of Flight. Yep. Yeah, or just uh, I'm throw sure your phone in the trash. I I'm don't sure know. at some point they'll have some sort of event that lets it possible. Just like like when the game like Generation One started three years ago now, that uh, you know Kangaskhan, Mister Mime, and Farfetched were region specific, and they did have an event where they would hatch out of eggs to so other people could finish their their Kanto collection. So I, I'm sure at some point they'll make this available. But it won't probably won't be anytime soon. Yeah, I'm gonna go on record here and say that uh, I've never seen any of these Pokemon. I have no like these are like 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 the three birds in Gen One, the three dogs in Gen Two. They're the legendaries of Gen Four. Um. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm sure that makes total sense for the people it makes sense for. Uh, for me, I went and looked them up and was like, yeah, I've never heard of those Pokemon. Uh, those those are out there. Go go catch you some Pokemon and go get you Shinies starting on the 11th. Let's talk about what we've been playing. Gary gets to start first this week because he's been playing my favorite Nintendo Switch game of all time. I've been playing Enter the Gungeon. Yes! Now, a game that my brother peer pressured me into buying uh, because he's put like 120 hours into it. Um, Is that all? I'm going to start... I'm going to start off by saying I have no idea how he could put 120 hours into Enter the Gungeon. Um... But this is coming from quite early impressions. I, I, it hasn't got its hooked into me. And before, and as a disclaimer, I'm not a fan of roguelikes. So, um, 
I've been enjoying it. I think that mechanically, like uh, the way it plays out and some of the enemy designs and the gun designs and stuff are awesome. Um, I'm feeling a burn already because of the unlocking and the way the roguelikes generally work. Like I've been, uh, I've done a run on it probably about 20 times and don't feel like I've got anywhere and unlocked anything. And it's starting to grind to a halt for me. Um, it's very look based, like depending on what weapons you get and if chests appear with what, what's in them. Um, and I have, I've had runs where I haven't picked up any guns before I've fought at least the first boss who's then nearly killed me outright. Yeah, that, that happens. And I don't like that about roguelikes. I like a sense of accomplishment when I play games. Um, so I like to play a game and feel like I've done something. I so you, you like a prepared. modified roguelike then, like Flinhook. Flinhook allows you to unlock permanent upgrades. Yes, I prefer that. Like Crypt of the Necrodancer is probably the best roguelike, in my opinion, that I've played. The one that I'm that's most suited to me anyway. And that's because you can purchase permanent upgrades so that you sure. know that your next run is going to be a little bit easier or there's going to be a higher chance of something appearing. Um, and I don't know, I think maybe it was Justin that I talked to about this. I mean, there are things that you unlock during Enter the Gungeon. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, but a lot of times where I can see it being frustrating is, is they don't necessarily explain what all of those things do. Yeah. And most of your unlocks in Gungeon are now you've bought this gun and now you have a chance for it to show up in the Gungeon, right? So there's like, you might buy a Plasma Blaster and it's not that you're going to start with the Plasma Blaster next time. It's that it's going, it may show up in the treasure chest. Yeah. And of course, the, the more guns you end up buying, the least Less smaller probability of that specific gun landing yeah. because there's more in the pool to choose from. You know, one thing that I didn't know until we did actually play Dinner the Gungeon in a tournament here toward the end of season two was that you can actually shoot the treasure chests when you find them. And sometimes you'll get what's inside. Other times you'll get junk. But sometimes, very rarely, that junk will be living. And his name is Sir Junkin. And he will follow you around and attack enemies. And when you blow up treasure chests and you wow. feed him junk, he'll power up. And so on the one run that I first discovered him on, by the end, he had a shield, a glowing sword, and wings. And he did most of my killing for me. Yeah, it was fantastic. Yeah. So I mean, I put Marty a has his own little minion, Sir Junkin. He was he was brilliant. I've put a fair chunk of time into it, but like I said, the majority of my runs have been randomly bad. Like they they haven't generated guns, and if they have, they've been worse guns than the gun I start with. Um, so yeah, I I'm starting to get burnt out by it already. Like unless unless stuff starts unlocking on it pretty soon, I can imagine myself just putting it down and not playing it again. Um, which I have done with other roguelikes. I've owned other roguelikes on a Switch, and I've, I've done the same with those. If they haven't unlocked stuff fast enough, or I don't feel like I'm getting anywhere, then I just put it down and don't play it again. My, my time's quite limited. There's a lot of games out there, so uh, you know, I'm perfectly capable of doing that, really. Um, but like I say, from from how it plays, it plays pretty well. There is a few performance hiccups every now and again, like it'll stop dead and stutter. 
Uh, I don't know if that's always been in it or whether it came with the last update. Or I have no idea. Um, but other than that, everything's really good on it. The graphically, it looks really cool. I like the idea of the the silly guns. Um, the the bosses from the odd few I've seen um, are really funny as well. Uh, so yeah, I'm going to give it its fair shake still, but um, I just hope it starts unlocking stuff that's actually worthwhile on it soon. And and there's like the more time that you spend into it, the more time you invest. And I think this is roguelike, you know, primer 101. The more time you invest on it and learning the system, you learn how to exploit the system in a way mm-hmm. as like you can really exploit that dodge roll. Yeah. Uh, and, and my problem with that is, is playing it. I forget about the dodge roll sometimes. Like I, I forget that you can do it. And I've heard, you know, like it, it's originally mapped to the a button and I think you can change that. And I've, I, heard, I've seen some success in, in like mapping it to like the left trigger shoot being the right trigger and dodge roll being the left trigger. As a default, it's mapped to A and L. So I use uh, L L to dodge roll, R to shoot. Yeah. So, mm. man, it, it's good. I would I would recommend you putting some more time into it. I mean, I know, like, I love it because most times I'm going to play and it's going to be like a 30-minute clip, and that's going to be, like, I can, that's that's a run, you know, yeah. and that's what I have. It's it's kind of my like when I'm stressed like that's my game that's my go to, unless yeah. I, I just like I'm getting a few runs like I die early and I'm just getting runs where they're throwing just really powerful crap at you at the beginning and that's one thing too uh, about getting its hooks in you is that you're playing after the farewell to arms and the Gungeons and Dragons update and so what that did was it threw a lot of powerful stuff in earlier enemy wise so like. And like, have you encountered the spiders yet? No. Oh my god, the spiders are just a nightmare. Oh no, sorry. Yes, I have. They shoot webs. Yeah, it shoots yeah. the webs, and yeah. and but like, it also spins around, and bullets go everywhere. Yeah, yeah. See, those weren't even in the. That was a Dungeons and Dragons. Like they added that enemy in. So for like when I was quote getting good at Gungeon, which I I'm not good because I've never beaten it with any of the characters. But when I was learning it, those that was not a thing. Some of the mechanics were not even in the game yet. And so, so what you make of it? Re- really, my takeaway from it is 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 it's sort of cemented that I don't. I'm not really a fan of roguelikes. Uh, I, I completely understand why people do. Like I, I understand that people just enjoy the game for the games. Uh, but as I said, when I play a game, really, I like the sense of progression i like to know that something's gone forward that something's happening that something's amounting to something uh you you don't get that with a lot of roguelikes you get you know you, you get playthroughs and sittings where nothing will happen you'll do a run you'll die nothing's unlocked you're back yeah. to the start and nothing nothing at all has gone on and that's happened a couple of times into the gungeon for me so far um so we'll see um, if i talk about it next week's episode then obviously i've been enjoying it if not, okay. then I haven't. But I have been playing another game uh, very, very briefly last night called uh, Swords of Ditto, which is basically, uh, if you guys have seen It'll Do 2, it's it's a lot like that. It's sort of a, a Zelda clone uh, in the art style of like modern Cartoon Network stuff, like Adventure Time. And uh, it seems like a really fun uh, sort of uh, light-hearted Zelda clone. Um 
but I haven't put enough time into it to really give any sort of opinions. But it it's got like a charming art style, and the music's pretty cool. Um, it also guides you where to go. So there's like a symbol of a sword appear on the edge of the screen, which is where you got to go towards. Uh, I'm not sure if that's going to stay on it or not. If it does, then okay, you, you, you're guided through it and it's fairly handholdy. But um, uh, that's my worry about it is so far is that it's going to do that throughout the entire game and you're not going to have any sense of exploration because the world looks beautiful. So it'd be a shame if it's like, um, you know, played through by guiding you in one direction constantly. Uh, but I'll, I'll have some more opinions on that next week. I'm going to put a bit more time into it. Um, like I say, it does look really fun. Awesome. Awesome. Jesse, what have you been playing? Well, I have nothing new. I, you know, just continuing what I we, were talked about last week. Uh, Picasso's three, I finished with the, the new color puzzle modes. We only had like, like 30 puzzles total. It was like three pages of 10. But uh, they were they were fun. They uh, it did get a little bit challenging to the end, which is what I'm hoping for. And uh, I hope I hope there's more of that, you know, in whatever next game they do. So then I started with the regular mode and just starting with that. And then then that also has the the clip Picross mode and the mega Picross mode. So there's still probably. 40 hours left or 30 30 to 40 hours of puzzles left for me to to get at so but i spent most of my time playing more into to the legend of zelda spirit tracks the one of my favorite zeldas is it really yeah i love spirit tracks all right, because I i know a lot of people don't but i i love it way more than phantom hourglass yeah, yes. I remember liking the game. I thought I finished the game, though I'm not remembering anything anymore. But so maybe I didn't, or maybe I completely forgot. I did, I did think I like it better than Phantom Hourglass, just because that central dungeon isn't as repetitive. Yeah. But, you know, I found once I got into the fourth region with a lava region, and they give you the freight car. So now you have to there, yeah, there's a small mandatory quest where you have to start hauling cargo, and then it turns into well, turn into uh, side quests later where you're hauling more cargo in addition to ha- hauling people. That I think the pacing just completely derails, and that pun. Yeah, hey. I agree with that. That I no pun was completely that. intended. <laughs> I, I really like Spirit Tracks compared to uh, much better than um, than Phantom Hourglass. Uh, um, I have the same complaints as you. I think some of the train sections later on in the game actually made the game made it worse. I think um, it's I think it's artificial or what we might call artificial or manufactured length. Yeah, it's trying yeah. to make the game longer just to say it's you know oh yeah it's a ten hour game oh yeah it's a fifteen hour game uh, uh, whatever. Then- and then you, you complete a side quest, which will give you, you know, 10 extra feet of track, but you go there and now there's a small settlement with another quest for you to do, which will then unlock more tracks. So it kind of turns into a perpetual side quest-a-thon if you fall into that hole. And I, I thought I remember collecting a lot of the train parts the first time I played. I haven't even started thinking about that yet. So I don't know if I just have... 
if I'm not as far into the game as I think I am, or uh, I'm just not tent doing as many treasures as I did to that I can sell in for train parts. So I'm not sure exactly what what the difference is yet. So I, well, I'm currently I just completed the the fire dungeon, so the the spirit tower is complete, and I'm on my way up trying to get to the top. My takeaway from Spirit Tracks is that uh, the dungeons were incredibly well designed. Like, I really, really enjoyed the dungeons. Um, not so much the overworld, but the dungeons were um, were on part, on key, I think. Well, the, and and the thing with it is they didn't have to do much overworld design, really. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you're on a train. And look, if you don't like this game, what kind of heartless monster are you? It's Zelda choo-choo time, <laughs> right? I mean, so, like, it's, come on. So, I understand that it, why you would they would want to throw dangers at you just so you're paying attention and not falling asleep while you're going getting from point A to point B. But sometimes I think there's way too many. And oh, there's definitely way too many. So it's like this I, is like I said, this is one of my favorite Zelda games, but it's not without its flaws, and some of right. them are pretty big. Yeah, so I think you know the, the, around the halfway point, the pacing just just dies. And then, uh, uh, the, so I'm still having fun, but I don't. I think I'm not having as much fun as I remember having when I first played. I this. think I think the point that we're trying to get at here is that more games need to be set on trains. <laughs> and so, uh, as as Retro is working on Metroid Prime Four and still in the early stages, I'm ex- I'm highly expecting a Metroid train. Well, isn't your when you the spider ball that's on rails, does that count? Uh, no, I want it to be set on a train. <laughs> uh, I want I want Samus on a train. We got to get this Samus off of this train. Yeah, yeah, that we went there. That didn't go anywhere. Yeah, it didn't. It's kind of like Spirit Tracks. It does sometimes it doesn't go anywhere? Um, all, right, all right, what do you got? I have been playing. <laughs> I can't even talk about it without laughing uh, because, man, it has been the subject of so many puns on uh, on Twitter this week. I've been playing uh, the the just the unfortunately named Ding Dong XL uh, that came out for Switch, um, and it was ninety nine cents. And so many people were talking about it, and so I was like, okay, I've got to I've got to buy it, and I've got to see, and it is. Like, I don't know what it is about this game, but it just has this pull of, like, you know, I got to go one more time. I got to try it one more time. Uh, The premise of the game is simple. It's one button, and you push it to send a, um, a, well, you start out as, like, a, a circle, but you're you're sending it across this, this stage, and on one side, when it hits, it makes a ding sound. On the other side, it makes a dong sound. So that's why it's called Ding Dong XL. So you're dinging and donging back and forth. And as you do that, these shapes, squares and other shapes, begin to float in between you. Uh, and it, it's very reminiscent of Geometry Wars uh, when, you know, that was available on the Xbox Live Arcade, I think, or was on, on the Xbox 360 when it first came out. Uh, because if you hit these things, they explode into a shower of particles and all kinds of stuff. But that's the game. 
There's a few little power-ups that do certain things like they'll make you invincible or they'll cause everything on the screen to explode or give you a plus three instead of a plus one. Every time you make it across the screen from top to bottom or bottom to top, you get one point. So that really what you're doing is you're just competing to see how high a score you can rack up. Or you can play dual mode in which you control two objects at once and make them move back and forth independently with the L and R buttons on the Joy-Con. So you can play it two-player or you can play it by yourself. Uh, that is the most brain-busting part of the game to me. Like I try to do both and have them, and all I can do is make them move at the same time. Like I cannot get my brain wrapped around making them go up and down and wait. Because if you wait, your shape begins to whatever it is. And I say shape because there's circles, and then there's also uh, Greg Miller from Kind of Funny. His head is one of the shapes. Uh, Portrio, who is his dog, is one of the shapes. And when it explodes, it explodes into a shower of hot dogs and bow ties, which is amazing. Uh, but if you wait at the point of contact, that shape begins to s expand. And it does not shrink back down to its original size until you successfully make it from one side to the other. So the hazard of you know being more susceptible to being hit is always there. I mean, I don't really know like how to recommend the game or not recommend the game. It's 99 cents. Uh, you're supporting a developer who's very engaged with the community uh, and has really enjoyed you know the uptick, I think, in, in sales and things since this has released. Uh, it's really, again, 99 cents. What do you got to lose? It's a fun arcade style, um, you know, one more time game. My whole family was sitting around playing it the other night. Just out of the blue you know they saw it and it's like oh i want to try so we pass the controller to them and pass it's it's great for a couch co-op or just sitting around the tv and playing um so it's out there also uh we got a code for box boy plus box girl which is the brand new box boy game that just came out on switch uh and it is it's a treat i love box boy and i love the like the physics-based platforming genre as a whole I've always kind of loved the art style and been charmed by it. And so this is a fantastic release. We have a, a video up of it on our YouTube channel, like playing through the first world. And so you can go over there and check that out. But if, you, if you've played any Box Boy games, then you know exactly what to expect here. It's just kind of expanding on that. You can play two-player, and like there's a whole different set of puzzles for you to solve, uh, either with a friend or you can control both QB and QC, Box Boy and Box Girl, separately and like move them you know one player can play them both through a level which is the game does the game clearly says is not recommended <laughs> i love that like it you know when it comes up it's like play with two people and it has this big banner over it that says recommended and then on the right. other one it's like yeah you can do it this way if you want to kind of like you can play snipper clips by yourself if you want to but it's not as, as much fun uh so that's out there it's ten dollars on the eShop. So that uh, that's one I think you should look at. I've also been playing Cuphead. I finally made it past Aisle 3. I am uh, in the fight with King Dice. I hate King Dice. He can go die in a fire. Awful. Whoever thought that was a great idea, terrible. Uh, it's it's really hard. And so like I've got two bosses left, and I'm done. Uh, also, this week I finished up the story of Mortal Kombat 11. And I've started working on the like the Towers of Time, which actually has a tutorial. 
Towers of Time are where you do a lot of your unlocking uh, of currency and other things in the game. Uh, and then you can go into the crypt and, and spend it and get like customizable parts. One of the things I did not realize with Mortal Kombat 11 is that you can create your own loadout for your favorite character with different costume parts, and then you can name it. So it's it's well, kind of like making your own fighter in a way. It's just the movesets stay the same and everything. So you can unlock a lot of those parts in there, and then you can take your customized fighter online. And there's already been some really clever names that have been come up with and some funny stuff uh, that's out there. Uh, so Mortal Kombat 11 on the Switch, it did get patched to take advantage of the overclock um, feature that Nintendo debuted with 8.0.0 or 8.0.1 system update. Uh, and I I found I really enjoyed it. I think the story fell flat kind of toward the end. I didn't enjoy it as much. It kind of felt like a drag, and it kind of felt a little predictable. But it's a fighting game storyline, so what can you expect? Um and I, I have some problems with the way that everything is grindy and monetized in this game. But other than that, it's it's great to have Mortal Kombat uh, on the go. It feels great. It plays fantastic. So super smooth. It's just, like I said last week, the graphics took a hit to give it that smoothness. And so be aware of that if you're still wanting to pick that up. I, I do recommend it if you want it on the go. If you want, if you're not concerned about portability, then play it on another system. But if you want it portable, if you want to be able to play it on the go uh, and take it with you, then the Switch is definitely the version to get. So, guys, that's what we've been playing this week, and I think that is a show. What do you it think? Has been, it has been a show. It has been a show. Uh, we're going to wrap up here, and we want to say huge thanks to our Patreon producers, Chris Mears, John Blanco, Dave Ernsberger, and Timothy Off. We want to thank these guys for supporting us at the $30 Patreon producer level. Thank you guys so much. And you can join in with them for as little as a dollar a month over on patreon.com backslash Nintendo dads. Uh, one thing we do want to mention as we close is uh, we're doing some under the hood improvements to uh, Nintendo dads over the next few weeks. As far as the podcast, we are currently switching uh, feed uh, hosts, right? Is that yes. a good way of saying it? Yeah, we're feed hosts migra- and so migrating off of VG Tribune onto a new, uh, 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 I think it's Castbox we're using. Yes. So if you notice any wonkiness, please let us know, and we will attempt to get it fixed as soon as possible. But we're forging new territory uh, as far as our podcast hosting. And speaking of podcast hosting, we're available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. And now on Spotify. So if you want to listen to us over there, go subscribe. Help other people find us. And you know what would also help people find us? Go to iTunes and leave us a five-star written review. And that will just push us on up there. And it will help people find the show and enjoy more Nintendo Dads goodness. You can follow us on all social media at Nintendo Dads. Email us at NintendoDads at gmail.com. Call in and leave us a voicemail at 929-25-N-DADS. That's 929-256-3237. And if you want to buy some sweet Nintendo Dads merch, tiny.cc backslash Nintendo Dads store has got you the hookup. I want to say a big thanks to OC Remix for the music used throughout the show and Adam Leonard and Carter Johnson for always supporting us with spectacular art and avatars. For me, for Jesse, for Gary, 
This has been episode 228 of Nintendo Dads. Bye-bye. Ciao. Thank you for listening to Nintendo Dads. Ha, 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 ha.